Kate Hart is a Cleveland pioneer of nerd folk, a genre she believes she has invented. Um, please do let uh, myself or her know uh, if that is incorrect, because Kate is also a scientist, uh, and therefore she would very much appreciate the criticism so that she can correct that claim. In today's interview, we talk about her work as a chemical engineer for a green energy startup, which apocalypse she thinks would be the most fun, that is, you know, if we survive catastrophic climate change, and what she learned after challenging herself to write one song a week for a year. And you can actually find the album that resulted from that challenge. It's titled 2018 at katehart.bandcamp.com. I'll have it linked in the footnotes. And now on with the show. So this is always this is always the hardest part is like kicking off. Like, hello, Kate Hart. Welcome hey. to my house. You've been in for 20 minutes while we made tea and you gave yeah. uh, gave Deb uh, premiere and audition aud- Adobe audition tips unsolicited yeah mm-hmm. no they were solicited if you're like oh I you know what you're doing if you know what you're doing j- yeah roll your sleeves up and help out like just cursing cursing at the program I feel like is a cry for help so right yeah yeah I well I I I get mad when I'm screaming at my computer and Deb asks what so I'm just like I I'm not going to explain it to you. Mm. <laughs> I'm dealing with some right. but like sometimes, intricate coding problem. <laughs> sometimes the act of explaining it to someone who doesn't understand what you're doing like totally solves the problem. That does work sometimes. Yes, that not does work. Not every time, work. but sometimes it does. When I go ask for help and in the process of explaining it, I've, I'm like, never mind. Thanks for listening. Thanks right. for being here for me. Right. Sometimes it just takes someone who literally knows nothing about the topic to just really, really make you ask the stupid questions. Yeah. And that's how you get it right. So speaking of it, what's, what is your job exactly? It's something interesting that you don't come across at a lot of, you know, in grassroots musician circles or whatever. Uh, folks are working at coffee shops or going through school or they're just pure musicians. So what is, what is your occupation? So I'm trained as a chemical engineer, but I'm actually, I don't have a day job at the moment. But what I was doing before was uh, working at a green energy startup which was very sexy, right? Very cool to talk about. I like, think oh, that's I very make, sexy. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saving the planet over here. So, yeah, there was a little company in Akron. Um, by the time I left, we had, like, between 10 and 15 people. Uh, and we were making, like, really big industrial-scale heat engines for, like, power production. Um, we The biggest one we ever made and tested was capable of producing um, about 8 megawatts of power, which is... Um, you know, for reference, like, you know, the big, really big wind turbines you've seen, uh, maybe 100 kilowatts. So Oh, those are kilowatts. So it's an so, order yeah. of magnitude bigger than that. Uh, it was waste heat recovery, which is like a, a sort of an accounting trick, but also sort of real. Uh, it's an emissions-free way of producing energy because it counts on the fact that you already burned your fossil fuels or your wood pellets or the the source of the heat doesn't matter right you already burned it for some purpose whether it was to dry something out or to run a primary power cycle or whatever and uh, now you just have hot gas and you want to pull power out of it could this be applied to like in cleveland we have those giant like whatever like uh pylons to the sky that shoot 40 foot flames out of the top of them is that something where it's like they could yeah adopt the technology like that and be like well that heat's just flying out and yeah that's exactly right um, in fact, that would be that would be really useful heat because um, 
heat is graded by temperature. So if you have higher temperature heat, uh, then, which I know sounds stupid, but it actually is different being higher temperature versus having more heat. Right. But um, higher temperature heat is more valuable. So yeah, when you see those flames shooting off, that's that's really valuable heat that's just going straight into the atmosphere. And not only is it directly warming the atmosphere, which isn't as impactful as greenhouse gases, but mm. it still, still matters. Um, but it's also a missed opportunity to pull additional electric power or even heating power out of that stream. So, you know, you already burned the coal or whatever it was you burned. Yeah. You already lit your nuclear fuel rod or whatever it was. It, uh, from our perspective, it doesn't matter where the heat comes from. But uh, we can use it to produce electric power. The whole thing was uh, supercritical CO2. So we used to tell people, you know, it's very safe. The whole thing is basically a fire extinguisher. Oh, wow. So, you you know, if you spring a leak, it's just like, well, nothing too bad is going to happen. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad things can still happen, but <laughs> you're not going to like, you're not going to blow anything up. The whole thing is a fire extinguisher. It's kind of right. cool. Is it, and um, so that was in Akron, and uh, mm-hmm. did their technology take off, or did you move on from there? You're in Cleveland now, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Cleveland now. So I was commuting for a little while. That's a long commute. Um, and yeah, things didn't really take off. Uh, they made a lot of progress and that, that field is really taking off. But um, the price of oil has really depressed green energy technologies across the board, including ours. And it was just real. There were definitely headwinds in that area. So I didn't know, the price, I didn't know the price of oil was like low and messing with uh advancing getting or keeping other green technologies from being competitive yeah it absolutely is because you know there's only so much there's only so far that like social consciousness and or even like incentives from from the government which have been in short supply most recently as well there's only so far so far that that can get you ultimately like i'm sure you've heard about the fact that the shift to natural gas versus coal is not really about trying to be green. It's about the fact that natural gas is just cheaper. Mm-hmm. So it is an improvement environmentally, and it's also an improvement economically, and that's when things take off. So yeah, the fact that the price of oil has been pretty low has really like depressed uh, development of alternative energy sources. Yeah. It, so is that... And, and natural gas especially, too. Natural gas is like so super it, cheap right now. Is that uh, your work in that field? And I mean, so you you've adopted. Did you coin it the term nerd folk for what you do? Uh, <laughs> I might or have. I don't know anybody else who uses it. Did locally. you hear it and just be like, "This, yeah, that, that fits uh, me." Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anybody else who uses that term. Yeah, it's well, nerd folk. I, I wanted to ask about your occupation because it seems like there's so much of it in your your you know your some of your songs, especially like well with your green background. The uh, apoxy- apocalypse. Absolutely, yeah. So. <laughs> that was very much a, an influence, especially of the end of that song. Because, um, yeah, it, as a as a person in that field, you can't think about the end of the world without thinking about, uh, you know, our quickly melting planet. It's it's urgent. It's very urgent. It'll be the end of our world. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. What will end all human life on Earth? It's not necessarily the end of earth Mm -hmm. just you know human life on earth it's done it's over with sometimes i consider the beauty of humanity 
times I get overwhelmed Thinking about how life is fragile and it goes so easily Sometimes I get lost in my own head Sometimes I just stare into the sunset Wondering what's gonna kill us first Will it be a super volcano or a super bacteria? I'm not sure which is worse Between a zombie epidemic or an alien invasion Can't stand not knowing which of these Hypothetical apocalypses Will end all human life on Earth Sometimes I consider the survivability of a nuclear winter Sometimes I get overwhelmed Thinking about bio-warfare And the global economic meltdown Sometimes I like to track a new disease It's gonna wipe out all our continental Cause I gotta see what's gonna kill us first Will it be a super volcano or a super bacteria? I'm not sure which is worse Between a zombie epidemic or an alien invasion Can't stand not knowing which of these Hypothetical apocalypses Will end all human life on Earth Oh, something's gonna happen, oh, a lot of things could The case for the Antichrist is starting to look good We could get killed by a solar storm Or a bubbling of gases from the deep sea floor Killed by our own sentient malevolent machines Or the rise of intelligent chimpanzees Lately there's one thing that's stuck in my head The single most likely way we all end up dead Sometimes I Consider man-made emissions and the resulting rise in temperatures. Sometimes I get overwhelmed thinking about mass extinctions and rising sea levels. A giant rock coming from space would be irretractable. But we can stop making our own planet uninhabitable That's gonna kill us first Could have been a super volcano or a super bacteria I'm not sure which is worse But I'd at least have liked to make it to the alien invasion Can't stand not knowing which of these Hypothetical apocalypses will end all human life on Earth so if we do make it through uh, the greenhouse uh, climate change apocalypse, mm -hmm. if we somehow right the ship. There's uh, a bunch more waiting right behind that. Yeah, so. there's a lot. Is there is there one that you think uh, sounds the most fun? Uh, gosh, what a great question. Um, so I've been a little bit, uh, a little bit fixated on. Uh, in fact, that's that's the one that's in the song. It's like, I really would like to make it to the alien invasion. I think that would be by yes. far the most fun of all the apocalypses. And uh, so I read a I read a series this year, um, or I must have finished it this year. It's the Three Body Problem, The Dark Forest, and then Death's End by Cijin Liu. 
it's um it's available in translation uh it's like the state of the art for chinese science fiction right mm. now uh which is kind of like a like a growing genre in china uh if it's any indication the third book in the series and these are not small books the third book in the series has a blurb on its cover that says it's like a, a wonderful i forget what it actually says but it's a small sentence praising the book from barack obama and he he read it while he was in office this is the third of mm. giant giant chinese science fiction books and he got through all of them that's how good the series is oh like you know the man is busy right. and make sure you uh message me and write these down or uh, when i'm editing I this i'll write I'll you, you have yeah. you have a record i'll have <laughs> a record but yeah, somehow so I need to remember the things you just said. Right. So like, <laughs> how will we do this? So yeah, that that series, and I don't want to like spoil it for anybody because everyone should read it. But it uh, it deals with first contact, and it like it leads to some pretty dark places. It's not. It isn't like your usual like horror aliens like like alien, um, and it isn't like a. It doesn't lead you to a utopia where many alien races can live together like mm. a Star Trek kind of vision of the world or even like a Star Wars kind of vision of the world. It leads to a very, very dark place. And it kind of convinced me that that is like the guaranteed way that First Contact will go. Well, I, 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 I'm I a big fan of um, David Brin. I don't know He's a futurist. About. He wrote this book in 95 called The Transparent Society that's so damn prescient. It's not science fiction. Yeah. It's it's sort of just like looking at where we are and where things are going to go. He's like, cameras are going to be everywhere. Mm -hmm. We cannot stop that. And yeah. he, it, he pushes in it. Like, the point is that we need to have cameras on people who are the watch the watchers. Mm. Um, that that, that, that we is should be, very timely. You know, we are going to live in a transparent society. And I'm seeing that idea. I've I, That put in me the idea of just like, yeah, I think if you – run for office if you're going to be like the higher the office the more like you just have a fucking reality show mm. we get to see everything you do like you yeah. should not want to be in office for like because it's such a like you better be decent yeah right <laughs> and sure. and i'm starting to i've seen that idea more in like weird like places in the ether like yeah i just think all our politicians should have to be wearing mm. a body cam fuck the cops like yeah, i want sure. a presidential body cam so so you're in favor of seeing politicians go to the dentist like that's yeah that's well, something you want. The thing is, like, we know there's no way we're going to get them to scale back how much they're watching us. That's true. That's you know what's really one thing that bothers me with that swing it, not even just cameras? So we know we have, like, the, you know, thanks to, like, Edward Snowden and whistleblowers, we have this whole NSA apparatus just, like, mm -hmm. imbibing everything we do digitally, and it's all on there. And they don't are actively spying you all the time, but if you ever turn out to be a troublemaker, they can do the rollback machine on your whole life probably and just yeah. be like, oh, you were here and you're here, 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 and you did this and you talked to this person. Probably. Um, I wish they could just – I wish we had like a mandate to turn that on like, oh, someone's saying Donald Trump is doing this. Turn the full force of the spying apparatus onto the powerful people. Like yeah. we should just be able to like reverse that fire hose on any corruption – and yeah. take it well, in the other way. Well, but your first plan is actually more aggressive to just be like constantly publishing personal details of every public figure's life, which, yeah, you wouldn't even have to go back. You would already know. You would already know everything. Oh, yeah. Well, the, I mean, yeah, the thing about the thing about Donald Trump is that he already does a lot of crimes in public. So, mm. um, like, how useful that would be with him, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything hidden. There doesn't have to be. No. Just, We're having such a nice podcast. Let's not get into politics. I know, I know. Let's not. 
So, so the it's you not have, like we're gonna fight. You have the it. nerd and you have the folk. Yeah. And which uh, which came first for you growing up? Were you more into like you know whatever you would say uh, laid your nerd foundation was comic books or TV shows or, or regular books or was uh, music or were they in, rolling along in tandem that you can remember? That is a great question. I think I think they sort of both rolled along in tandem. I think I've been I've been doing music in some way basically since I was old enough to make noise with my mouth. Um, so I've been in uh, I've been in choirs basically my whole life. Uh, I took you know I took piano lessons as a kid, and I actually didn't like it like every kid. You know I grew up to really really enjoy music, and like I I play a little bit now, but uh, I didn't I didn't like it at the time. Because uh, I was way too much of a perfectionist, which mm. kind of leads into the nerdiness. I was like a total overachiever, um, but like that didn't really serve me well in music at first because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't able to build those skills fast enough, and I like, I thought I wasn't any good. Mm. Um, and I'm not the best. I'm not any good. Exactly. Yeah. What's the point if I if I can't be the best? What's the point of even doing this? So I, uh, but I I did get into like vocal music. I did a lot of choir. I was in the band. Uh, I played I played flute for a long time, and uh, so yeah, I I just think I stuck with it in a way that most kids didn't. I wasn't particularly like I was I was never a prodigy at any instrument. I was never a particularly good vocalist. It was just um, it was just that I really genuinely enjoyed it, and that's why I never quit doing it. And uh, you know, you continue to get better, um, even if you're just doing stuff for fun. So yeah. That, uh, it took me a long time to realize. I, I never had lessons. I think my parents, like, tried here or there. And there was, like, a keyboard in my house mm-hmm. that I every now and then I'd fool around with. or yeah. But it was always – and then I just always owned a guitar. Like, I asked my parents for the first time, like, when I was, like, 12. And my lessons were, like, they took me to the mall and some – Big guy was like, "What do you want to learn? You like Metallica? Here's the Inner Sandman. Mm. Yeah. Uh, here's Master Puppets. Mm. And here, buy some tablature." And mm. it wasn't, you know. So yeah, I learned enough chords to just be like, "Oh, I like having this." And it was, and I, whenever I'd hang out with musicians and I'd see what they could do, just like sitting down, mm-hmm. and maybe I'd like, "Oh, you guys are jamming. I have a guitar. Maybe I can jam." And then mm-hmm. I'd be like, "I can't jam." <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't jam either. I'm a really, uh, I'm a really poor instrumentalist. Um, I basically just have enough skill to back myself up so that I can play out, and that's that's basically where I'm at. Um, I can jam in pentatonic now. Mm. That yeah, that helped learning like a blues scale, just adopting that and sort of finding like I had all these things wrong in my brain that took years to just like like tablature made me always think of numbers mm-hmm. on a guitar like. String number four, fret two, you know, like where the way tablatures worked, it's just yeah. lines and numbers. So I was always thinking of numbers when I was trying to move. Right. And it but wasn't until years really later that it's to... like, it's the shape of your hand mm, that yeah. you need to like focus on. And then pentatonic, the only numbers that really matter is like, well, you go up three or you go up two. Mm. <laughs> and it's, you're, you're, you're in the right place once you find the starting point kind of. I don't I don't know what pentatonic is, but I'm I'm over here nodding sagely like, oh yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's like the main blues scale. You either go up three frets on a guitar, or you go up two and you're in the pentatonic scale once you find like the sort of like the key to start from. Hmm, interesting. I, I, that's just me explaining how like simple it's it's come to me. There's a great video you should check out by Bobby McFerrin where he shows hmm. the audience 
that they know the pentatonic scale even when they don't know they know it. Ah. Like he leads them into. I love that into, trick. Yeah. Yeah, he like leads them into like everyone sing this note on a piano and then this note and then he jumps over to another spot. I've seen that video. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. That's that's what he's doing is like it's this scale that's very rudimentary to everything. That, yeah, yeah, like yeah. once you see it, you're like, oh, it's everywhere. And yeah, that that helped me be able to like, oh, now I can kind of jam as sure. long as it's somewhere in there. But yeah, interesting. But I was, but I was, my point was, I was just scared of music forever. And then it wasn't until I, I started going to open mics and seeing people who were really good. And then you see people who are really bad. Mm-hmm. And then you see people who are just crazy. Um, but the, the good ones are like, oh, that's really cool. You can see someone at that level and they're accessible and you can talk to them. And then yeah. the bad ones kind of be like, I can do better than that. Or it's a little bit of a confidence boost. I won't. Like, I won't. I, I, I won't alienate the audience as much as this right, person. Right. Yeah. No. That's that's totally a part of it. As you like first start to go out and build the confidence that you're not going to be you're not going to be the worst person on the on the list. But yeah. And then and then the other piece of it, you know, not just to be like afraid of music or to overcome your fear of. Uh, playing your instrument, but also to just get comfortable in front of people. So crucial. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you see that a lot, too, people who um, who just don't have the comfort yet. Yeah, so so music was uh, something that you you had a lot of experience in. Did, mm-hmm. did you um, – was it a big thing for you to make a leap into, like, I'm going to write my own songs, or do you remember – if was that, like, a pivotal thing, or – Yeah, so I didn't really start doing that until pretty late, Um I, I dabbled. I, you know, got one of those, um, like, scoring softwares, one of those, like, I think it was Finale Notepad, you know, the free thing where you just, like, can mock things up and um, make your little trios for your band or whatever. And then I started to do arranging for um, for some choirs that I was in. And then uh, I was given a ukulele as a gift, and it opened up a whole new world for me to actually write songs that I could perform by myself because when all you write is for voice, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty tough to, it's pretty tough to just go out and do that by yourself. Right. Um, I was I tended to write things for choir, uh, so yeah. All of a sudden, it was just like original music, and I, I took to that pretty quickly. Um, I think I was probably out playing an open mic, probably less than a month after I was given that ukulele, um, playing a couple of original songs. Um, I used to write songs in my head because I wasn't really good with. Um, I wasn't really good with chords. So, like, I remember the very first song I ever wrote was a song called Shackleton. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it during the polar vortex when I was still in college. And I had to walk a long way to get back to where I lived. And I was just, like, trudging through the snow. And I was thinking about Ernest Shackleton going to the South Pole. And I wrote that song in my head as I was trudging up the hill. <laughs> and then as soon as I got home, I had to figure out, like, what the chords were. Because, I, I, you know, I just didn't know enough to know what they were going to be. Mm-hmm. But I could hear something. And I just had to sort of trial and error to figure out what it was. Um, but yeah, I took to songwriting really quickly. It really made me wish I had started sooner. Oh, winds of Anagata, won't you blow a little harder? Cause my baby's waiting in Love Lolly Bay. Oh, breezes, won't you blow? Cause this old boat, she goes so slow. Just can't figure why 
But I didn't write much um, until I set myself that challenge last year to write a song every week. Uh, I had. I, I was had, gonna ask about that. That's, yeah. That, and that's where your all your songs from your new album, 2018, come from. Yes, and then some, some that didn't make the album, um, quite a few that didn't make the album. And I'm, I'm thinking about maybe putting together another collection, just with some leftovers and some stuff that I'd written before that I never. I was published. gonna ask. Cause there's like 18 on that. It's like mm-hmm. were there so. You there did was a some song, what, So you did you really do 52? Uh, I didn't get all the way to 52. I stopped a little early because I started doing production on the on the album, but um, uh, I got to around 40. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot. And if you write 40 songs, 18 of them are going to be pretty good. Yeah, and that's so, that's a pretty good album. That's yeah, a pretty good no, that's a, that's a album. long album, and uh, I think the the CDs I printed only have 16 on them. But um, 
yeah, I put some things online that I, I decided not to print. Oh, that reminds me. I'm going to shame you here on your uh, – so you have two you have two typos in your lyrics that I came Do across. Do I? In uh, ba- Baby We Got Chemistry. Whatever you found, it's intentional. Led to think you're someone, no apostrophe. Wow. And Wait, I spelled it right, but I didn't put an apostrophe in it? You didn't put your – yeah, you, it's no apostrophe, R-E. Huh. It's, well, it's, that's not right in any context. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Apocalypse's The Deep Sea Floor. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I never caught that. So Mm-mm. I just thought I'd shame you, and I'll make sure that this gets in the podcast so that... No, that's great. Yeah. I'm really... Yeah. I mean, when you set yourself up as a nerd folk artist, <laughs> you kind of invite these kind of criticisms like... You're supposed to be on top of this stuff. I, you know, no, spelling, I honestly just wanted to let you know that's a favor. No, I'm that's like, great. Oh, it's because it, those are the kind of spellings. It's like uh, spell check won't notice them, and if no, you've been staring your it. lyrics a thousand times, it's yeah. so easy. To sure. Do, like, <laughs> and I, I've been caught before where um, I've put up lyrics to a version that I didn't record, like I had a previous previous version, and it didn't. Um, yeah, yep. I I changed the way I wanted it to sound, and I never changed the lyrics I typed up. So, yeah, there was a, a lyric in Running Sucks that was, like, really pretty unkind to myself. And uh, and I left it in the lyrics, even though I changed it in mm. the actual recording. And my dad caught it. He's like, you didn't. Oh, that's so sad. You didn't. <laughs> that's not what's on there. You should change it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a song about how much I suck at something. So, like, it's. Yeah, there was one version of the lyrics that were that were much more unkind than the final version. Yeah, so. is is that? Uh, do you think that's common? Where um, it's just like uh, words or a concept comes out to you, and then you got to find the music to back that up. Sometimes, or yeah. Do you have music where you're like, I need to find some words for this? Uh yeah, I've done it. I've done it both ways. Um, I've done it a couple of different ways. Sometimes I start with a concept. And I know what the song will be about, but I don't know what the words will be, and I don't know what the music will be. Um, then I just play around with chords usually to start before um, before I start to add words. Sometimes it'll start with just like a single lyric that I think is really good. It'll pop into my head, and I'll build the whole song around it. Um, and sometimes during this year, I you know needed to write a song, and I had nothing. No concept, no music, no words, no nothing. And um, I sort of developed a method to work through that, which was to... Pick a chord progression, just keep playing around until you find something that you haven't done before and sounds pretty good, and then just like hum on top of it, and then I would just put words on what I was humming where the emphasis matched, so Mm. like the meter was right, like any words, and then I would look back at what words I had said and say, okay, what's the song about based on what I just said, and then build everything off of that. It's like the crossword approach to songwriting. Totally. You got to start somewhere.
you come up with a discipline for how you're going to like you know if you set yourself up like you're going to make a song once a week where you're like yeah. okay so like there's these times when you had to sit down and do it or not at all I didn't do that at all I really should have but I did not um I, I let the inspiration strike me and when it didn't I really had to force myself to it was usually like the very end of the week I was w- like was there a deadline or did you have any accountability set up for this challenge not not really just to myself um and I did, I did let things slip a little bit. You know, I didn't, didn't write that song until a couple of days into the next week and then I had to make it up and then I had to, um, so yeah, there was, there were some slips, um, but ultimately I still wrote a lot of volume. Um, but yeah, I think it might've been more effective if I had had a more disciplined schedule for yeah. it. Um, but no, I just let inspiration strike and it struck pretty often, but yeah, there were weeks where I really just had to force myself to write something. And sometimes that turned out the best. Um, there were songs that I just had no had no enthusiasm for when I was writing them, and then they turned out to be like some of the best ones. What was uh, of the everything that came out of that year? What was your favorite song? So I, I call "Running Sucks" my hit single for for a reason. I think if I had written all year, and that's the only th- that's the only thing I had written. If I had worked all year on that one song, I think it would have been worth it. Um, 
but I have some other favorites. I really like uh, I really like Cinderumba. I think that one turned out really well. Um, I really like Apocalypses. Now, were, um, were you serious about Cinderumba uh, that you tried to um, in your you were chatting between your sets at the yeah, carnival? Yeah. You tried to get like Roomba to give you a free Roomba or something? Or yeah, I know someone who um, who interned with them. So I had a I had an in. So I you know it had been a couple weeks since I had posted it, and I I asked her, can you forward this to whoever whoever does their PR stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I figured she would know, and she did. And they sent an email back that said, we already, we already had this. We already sent it to, we already sent it out internally. And I went back and I like looked at my stats and there was no spike in stats. There was nothing. So I don't. Did uh, they rip it and put it on their own page? It's not clear to me. They just sent me a screenshot. I couldn't tell. So yeah, it was kind of, you know, I'm not sure what they did. Okay. Maybe no one reads their internal emails and that's why I didn't see a spike in traffic, but um, you know, which is possible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, I sent them this email hoping that they'd be like, oh, that's so amazing. Here's a free Roomba. But instead what they said was, oh, we already stole that. But <laughs> 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 so we're good. <laughs> but no, I finally figured out how they had found it because I, yeah, I don't see that much traffic. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't they wouldn't have just passively found this song. Turned out my dad had posted it to their like company Facebook page. Oh, and they had never. Well, maybe they did respond to him, but my, my dad's not that good at Facebook, so yeah. <laughs> he couldn't tell me whether they had ever said anything back to him or not, and um, so that's where they found it. I was I was really stumped on that one for a couple of days, and then I happened to tell the story back home, and, and my dad was like, mm, I can solve that mystery for you. I gave it to him. Like, ah, gotcha. You should really make a video for that one. I should, but the problem is I don't have a Roomba. Yeah, you I need really to find need a... someone who has a Roomba, yeah. and then make them regret not. <laughs> well, this same friend who worked for them, she's... She's she's got a few rumors. She she'll probably let me borrow one. So yeah, cause that could be a fun that could be a fun little uh, video to put together. I could see that. Oh with yeah, the, with it, the way the, sor- the song it writes itself. Out. Yeah, you just I mean you almost just need B roll of a Roomba just doing its thing. <laughs> Stepsisters head to the ball. They press her buttons in the hall. They leave her working all alone. Cinderella sweeps the floor. Life could be much more than just these boards and stones. Cinderella moves so gracefully across the floor till her work's complete. She's so charming, but she's never had the chance before to sweep you off your feet. Dream is a wish your CPU makes. Cinderella has what it takes. She's dreaming of a place where she can find her heart. Fairy God Hoover comes along, waves her multi action wand, and she's gone to the party. Cinderella arrives at the ball. Pants turn as down the stairs she falls. Lands on all at the bottom She makes a beeline for the prince Don't stop till she hits him in his shins As she spins around She's got him thinking she could be the one Cinderella moves so gracefully Across the floor Till her work's complete She's so charming but she's never had the chance before to sweep you off your feet.
strikes 12 o'clock She's gotta get back to her charging dock She stops and sees the prince running after She tries to wander home Zigzagging down the road He bends low and speaks to her in a whisper tiara a tiara yes, yes. Yeah. or no at first she's got to be wearing like it's cinder it's cinderella so she's got to be like downtrodden at first that's right true. and then become a princess that's true yeah, yeah. she'll need to be uh, some someone needs to bestow a tiara upon her somewhere in the music video yeah i think there i mean honestly you know it's going you know going through your collection i feel like you've got a lot of potential to just go pretty I don't know, far, like, your your stuff, if especially, like, you know, you get, like, I could see, like, a page, like, I fucking love science mm-hmm. sharing your Baby We Got Chemistry song yeah. or something like that, it, it, you know, especially if you just put a nice little video to it. And, and I, I, I looked up today at the lyrics, the fact that you put the actual um, symbols in the lyrics. And that's my typos, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I did, because I wanted to make sure that people, people got the puns, so, yeah. No, people always think, People always think uh, carrium's an element, and it is not. Mm-hmm. That's a big. I just want. I, want to I make never sure picked know up that. on the argon. Oh yeah, because gold and Cause argon it comes come like, right. They come right there. Yeah. yeah. Th- that one's a tough one. Those are that. That, that one's a tough one to pick up on. My favorite. Yeah. Um. And then you do get a little political in in some of your songs. I noticed with a little uh, bit. Yeah. With uh, I like I I don't like snakes. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, if there's. If there's something we ought to have learned in the last couple of years, it's that not liking Nazis is not a is not a brave stance. It's just it should be normal. It is normal, but uh, yeah, yeah. No, that song is meant to be 100% literal and 100% figurative, like 100% metaphor. And also, literally, I just really don't like snakes. But there, I wrote that song after being much closer to an actual snake than I intended to be. While I was sitting in the woods eating my lunch. Oh, I know people will get mad at you for that song. Who have like yeah. pet snakes? <laughs> like snake people are like no joke. Yeah, I had uh, right before I did my album release, um, I had a friend staying with me. She was gonna do uh, stand up comedy at my show, and her fiance uh, is like telling a story about how she's getting into like snake breeding, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> you're gonna be so offended when I play the song tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, I think snakes really get a bad rap. I'm like, mm. no one likes snakes. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that. I'm part of that. Right, and also like liking snakes is the same as liking Nazis. Like it, it's. She was cool with it though. She was, she was very cool about it. Yeah, I was y- like, hmm. The ukulele, I think, softens, softens the sure, blow. Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. It's, I mean, at that point in the song, you know, not to take it too seriously. Um. So uh, you've been playing out for them what like five five years or whatever yeah. putting that stuff. Um, you've you've found as well as like you know we've discovered that the, the Cleveland music scene scene is so like warm and like supportive and awesome. Yeah. Um, 
is there uh, anything you aspire to? Like, do you see like a uh, for your music? Like, you, are you happy putting stuff out and and whatever? Or are you looking to where where what trajectory do you see yourself on with music? That's a great question. And uh, yeah, the end of the the song a week project kind of leaves me with a big question mark for what's next. And you know, there's some some non-music related stuff going on in my life that kind of has me on hold I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to i'm trying to be get a day job again so <laughs> yeah so that that'll change things a little <laughs> bit but um yeah one of the things i've been thinking about is uh songwriting um not necessarily so we have a couple of really good songwriter showcases uh in the area but um like songwriting regular meetups um because i i was announcing my project all year last year um because I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a fact people would remember. And then, like later in the year, I started to hear people talking to each other about how they were writing a song every month, or they were writing a song every week, or they were trying to hit some number. Mm. And, um, you know, I happen, I happen to know that they, I, at least I guess, I my guess is they started doing that because of what I was doing. And like, I think it would be. Um, really valuable for songwriters to support each other in that to have a meetup where we could do critiques or at least hold each other accountable that accountability you were talking about that I didn't have yeah I didn't have anybody asking me um I mean not even not even Ray asked me every week I had I had songs we got to the end of the year and he had never heard them um but yeah to have a little bit of support a little bit of help a little bit of guidance and also that accountability i think could be really valuable yeah i don't know how much appetite there is for people to write a song every week i don't know if i have that appetite anymore because that was kind of a lot um but yeah maybe a monthly meetup or just something song. standing where it's like whenever you come to it come with something new exactly and it's, just, it's there for you yeah. whatever frequency you're putting yourself up to yeah yeah sure you show up with four four songs and yeah well, because, I mean, there's a lot of, like, really, really great musicians hosting really cool events all over, and that's kind of what I feel is my area of expertise in music, mm-hmm. is just, like, writing a lot of volume, because I did it for a year, and um, learned that it actually isn't as, it's not as intimidating as you think. I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes. I'm just like Indian. Snakes. I don't like snakes. 
space i feel like that's a it's almost a saturated space of the pretty female vocalist with the yeah. i mean like pre, like you know just like pretty soft vocals and 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 the ukulele yeah and um someone at the the carnival you played most recently uh i think it was yeah. thomas it was uh he was our comic and and he said like you know you you see a girl get up with a ukulele and you think oh i've Your seen eyes this start before rolling. You're just like- and you're like <laughs> And I think you do a great job of subvert- subverting people's expectations. Like, oh, no, yeah. I haven't seen everything in that whatever you'd – it's not a genre. It's <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a sound it's space, a motif. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think um, I think that type of thing is probably so, – so the reason I play ukulele instead of guitar, and I suspect this is not – this is not unique to me uh-huh. is that um first of all it's way easier to pick up oh, way yeah. way way easier i mean just so the little not... nylon strings you don't gotta have big calluses exactly. the shapes are smaller and... yeah it's only four strings i always tell people even guitar hero has five buttons so like ukulele is way easier than that um and it's physically smaller i i did try to learn guitar um before i had done anything with the ukulele so maybe i should try again but um just to reach uh to reach the furthest strings I felt like I couldn't get there while keeping mm-hmm. keeping my fingers off the rest of the strings. And it was just really frustrating. Um, I kind of ran into the same wall when I was taking piano because there was only so far that I could reach. I have really, really short fingers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, most women have small hands. And most women didn't grow up playing guitar because they thought it would impress girls, right? That's just – that's not <laughs> that's not something a lot of women do. So um, – and not that no women do it, but it's, it's not nearly as common. So I think right. – I think that sort of just practically leads us on that path to like that's the instrument that it's easy for us to pick up and accompany ourselves on. Um, but yeah, where you go with it next is just as much of an open question as it is with any other instrument. Well, you're not doing a lot of like, I think I think where that there's a saturation point is just like people pick up a ukulele and then making some little cover, some adorable yeah. little cover or whatever. Yep. I think the adorable ukulele cover market has been. It is. Fully it's, saturated. Yeah. I never really did adorable covers. I did I did do a couple of covers when I first started playing out. I don't know. Ukulele, th- that's the term I attach to it. It's yeah, a, no, it's totally. A, it's adorable. Everything on the ukulele is. It is. is it's adorable. totally adorable. <laughs> and one of the things, I never have gotten, uh, I don't own the smallest version of a ukulele, the little, the little pineapple ukulele, mm-hmm. the soprano one. Um, which is just is yours a tenor uke or whatever it's called? I have uh, uh, I have a concert, and I have a tenor, and I have a tenor guitar. Okay, um, which is considerably bigger. <coughs> um, but yeah, I used to I used to kill with this um, cover I did of the immigrant song on the ukulele. Uh. <laughs> it was so sad. <laughs> it was just like this really really sad. Cover. I changed all the chords and um, oh, I'd love to hear that. It yeah it 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 was pretty good. I, I loved having that moment where, like, you know, I, I would be playing in bars, sometimes sports bars, right, where, like, whoever's sitting at the bar just, like, look up and get this look on their face, like, what? And then they'd make eye contact with me, and I would just nod at them while I was singing. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then they'd, you know, they'd they'd throw up the devil horns or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, I'm rocking out right now. 
that's always my favorite uh, moment when you're playing like sort of a rowdy open mic, something that's like at a bar, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. not everybody's there to play. Yeah, it's like when you get someone that's just at the bar, it's like st- stop, be like, what the fuck's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you do some unexpected covers like that too. I, I never. What? Which cover are you thinking of? Gosh, no, I'm not gonna be able to think of the name of it. I don't. Well, I feel like I've I've I used to have more covers, and now I just do 16 tons and i do tainted love that's the one i was thinking of was 16 tons oh okay that's well that's uh, that and there's other covers like that where i cover that because i don't like the original Mm -hmm. or the original it's just like i like it i like Mm -hmm. the lyrics i like the sentiment it's too damn peppy it's like yeah because i changed the key in that it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's a minor key and it's two majors for that one's just all major and it's just like Boy, I sure am a debt slave. It sure is a tough thing for me. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I just did not like it. And so I sing it like the, the angry anger that I like to hear in it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. And so you wanted immigrant sound to sound a little more. <laughs> yeah, to s- like... Yeah, so I don't I don't flip it around to the other perspective because like it's sung from the perspective of an invader, uh-huh. and I I don't flip it around, but I like I basically musically flip it around to the other perspective of like it but it's it it sucks to be the one who's conquered and there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Um, that's just how I think about it. I don't know if the guys who flash me the devil horns at the bar are really digging that deep into it, but um, the lyrics are pretty sad. So. Um, I think it works. Are there uh, any musicians that you know you hold up as like, oh, that's someone you model yourself after or inspires you or that you aspire to? Do you mean somebody locally or do you mean? It could be either. You know, I know that's definitely changed for me. The more I've gotten into like local mic scenes, the more I find that like, oh, my favorite people to listen to aren't even on like nationally. Absolutely. I've, I've found myself like getting deeper and deeper into like exclusively listening to songs by people i have met yeah which is just like there's there's a coolness factor to that oh yeah so like um locally my 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 like hero is is michelle gaw i feel like i feel like all my heroes are women right now um you know you're rachel short you're maddie finn um but i don't i don't do music that's like any of them Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't say they're like a musical influence on me um Except that sometimes I, I remind myself about um, Michelle Gaw's solo stuff that, you know, you can have really casual lyrics. Your lyrics don't have to be um, like prose poetry, that they can be casual. And that's like a valid way to write music. Um, but no, I, I, try to, I try to achieve a Jonathan Colton vibe um, with the stuff I've been writing mm-hmm. this year. Uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the Double Clicks. That's no. kind of a, kind of in the same genre. Okay. Like you're talking about, if I could get huge in a niche, yeah, it would be to be on Jonathan Colton radio, like some, to get tagged as like this is like Jonathan Colton, yeah, because he's um, he's really huge, he's really successful, and, um, yeah, he just writes, not exclusively, but mostly, mostly songs with humor in them, mostly songs with a nerdy bent, mm-hmm. uh. I don't know if you've, have you ever heard any of John No, Colton? I'm going to check him out. Yeah. Um, <coughs> you would probably like his song Code Monkey. Okay. Uh, you would, you would probably really like that just based on your day job. Um, 
plus that's one of the more like more rock less folk right of of his songs um but he is also like the thing about jonathan colton is that he's a really really talented guitarist really really good musician in a way that i am not Mm -hmm. so he has this like layer of complexity sometimes i want to cover his songs and i say oh well i'll just i'll just look up the tabs and i'll cover the song and i'll look at it and be like i don't i don't with four strings i'm not sure i can even play the chords you're playing yeah right it's like you know it's a triad plus three other things and i you know much less do i know do i know that chord shape because it's just something i never ever use um and the his chord progressions are so unexpected. Right. He's musically really interesting, and his lyrics are really good. And, um, but yeah, he always he always finds a clever way to include some humor, or some some nerdiness. Yeah. So that's sort of my my goal. And there's a whole there's a whole family of artists that do that. Uh, I really like No More Kings, although that's like a full band full band sound that I I can never really sound like them. But they just are in that same genre and. Um, yeah, that's sort of what I try to keep in mind when I write, usually, mm-hmm. to not take yourself that seriously, and still... Well, it's paying off well, and like I said, after, you know, I've seen you a bunch of times and taken your stuff, I just think it's it's a matter of, like, the right people are find your stuff, and it's going to go all over the place, you know? Just yeah, The The, the lyrics Maybe. you have, and the images, and, and uh, the style of it, I really dig what you're doing, Kate Hart. Hey. And uh, thanks for coming out on the show. Uh, I never know when these are releasing, so there's no point in plugging anything. Sure. But we plugged your mom's podcast. We plugged. What's the book I need to check out? The book series. It's uh, it's. I believe the title of the series is Remembrance of Earth's Past, but you'll never you'll never find anything that way. Okay. First book is called The Three Body Problem. The Three Body. Second problem. book is called The Dark Forest. That one's the best. All right. And the third book is called Death's End. All right. I will Season find Lou. all these. And They're great. You make sure you look up Kate Hart's stuff. I've played a bunch of oh. your tracks. So I, I will up. I will plug oh, uh, yeah. that I just I just finished all the paperwork to get all of my music up on not just Bandcamp, it's been on Bandcamp all year. Oh yeah. It's gonna be on your iTunes, your Google Play, all the your things? Spotify, all the things. Yes. Um and yeah, I was really intimidated by that process and I finally just finished it. So uh, all my friends who refused to get on a new platform to listen to me uh, will now have no excuse. Who, uh, what did you use to propagate that out to all the things? I know there's like TuneCore. I use TuneCore, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to do it through like CD Baby, but they take a, they take a cut of all your royalties. Oh, going, TuneCore is just a flat fee to do it It's just a flat fee, which honestly, I don't get enough traffic that that's probably worth it, but it's the principle of the thing. Yeah. You know, because if I do blow up, I'm really going to be glad that it's just, it was just a one-time fee. Exactly. This is... (laughs) This is how all Americans make financial decisions. Like, I, I want to make my decision just in case I get really rich someday. You got to do that way. That's yeah, American just way. in case. Yeah. That is that is an American thing to We're do. We're all a bunch of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's absolutely that. that mindset. Yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, I was really intimidated by that process, and I just pulled the trigger on it, and so that's going to be releasing in a couple of weeks. I, I love Bandcamp as a developer. I love it too. You have no idea how easy it is to rip off those MP3s. Oh, great. Whatever songs I need for this show to put in, I yeah. can just download them with the Chrome Inspector. Yeah, because they, uh, yeah, you can you can get high quality downloads. I don't have to buy it. No, you don't. Well, I said I said all my, oh, well, you don't have to buy my stuff anyway. Listeners, don't be intimidated. <laughs> you don't have to steal my music. It is 
it is available for free download. Right. Although Bandcamp will guilt you a little bit. It's like, well, do you really want to download this for free? No, even Surely when they're not free downloads, if you, they just let you listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, everything's free to stream. Yeah. And then you can set the price for your download, and I just set it to be zero or more. So you can pay nothing, but Bandcamp will guilt you. I saw somebody else like somebody else's portal into the site, and it's like, well, you could technically... But don't you want to pay something? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, okay. I guess I will. Donationware. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a it's like a music platform and a Patreon all in one. So. Yeah. Well, you can buy Kate Hart's album before it's everywhere, or you can wait. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Have uh, Have a great thanks trip on me. your little trip in Spain. I will. We'll talk to you I'm when sure you get I will. Back. We didn't talk about that at all, but. No. We I'm going to Spain. To. She's going to Spain. I'll probably be back by the time you It'll be there. interesting when you get back. <laughs> right now, there's nothing to talk. You're going to right. Spain. Yeah, I'm just going to Spain. 